Okay, Gateway family, if you'll find James chapter 1 this morning. It seems very fitting this morning after what we've already walked through in the service that we're back to the topic of trials again today. My friends, when you were a child, did your parents ever repeat themselves? Ever say the same thing to you more than once in a different way? And do you ever repeat yourself now? Maybe with a different emphasis to make sure your coworkers get it right? To make sure your friends hear you? To make sure your kids understand? As we come to the topic of trials this morning, you may be thinking we just heard trials just a few weeks ago. And you're in fact right. We're in verse 12 this morning about trials. And just three weeks ago, we were looking at verses 2 through 4, which were about trials. And James is going to repeat himself. In the very first 11 verses of James that we've seen over the last three weeks, we've seen him teach us about trials, about wisdom, and about money. And these are themes that he will repeat himself on throughout the book because they're important themes in our life. Again, today's text, we come back to the topic of trials. And by trials, I mean any hardship or any difficulty we face in life. Now, because James is repeating himself but adding on, I want to make sure we remember what we saw a few weeks ago. So just follow along. I want us to look at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, just to get our mind back of what we saw three weeks back. James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect. You may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If you remember from a few weeks back, friends, that we saw that we have the reality of trials. It's not a question of if we will have trials. It's a question of when we will have trials, when we will face them. And we saw a few weeks ago that God changes our perspective on trials. That we can have peace and we can have contentment even in the midst of trials. Knowing that God takes the not good things and brings good to us out of them. He can take the hard things of life and bring to us good. And the good he brings to us, we saw a few weeks ago, is he matures our faith. He grows us. He builds up our faith. But friends, something amazing happens as we come to verse 12. As James repeats himself, he's going to add a new emphasis for us. He's going to show us a future hope that we have as well. Not just that God uses trials today to grow our faith today, but there's a future hope that will give us the ability to walk through trials as well. So we come to James chapter 1, verse 12. I want you to be looking for what is the hope that we have in trials. Can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God as we look at James chapter 1, verse 12 this morning. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Would you pray with me once again? Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, in the morning with the distractions we've already had and the concerns and the burdens on our hearts right now, Lord, I pray that you would just turn our focus to your word. Lord, trusting, Lord, trusting Gail into your care this morning, Lord, that you would just watch over her and protect her and help us trust you in that. And now as we're gathered together around your word, that your word would come alive to us and you would teach us and shape us and mold us and make us more and more into who you want us to be through the power of your word as your Holy Spirit awakens our hearts to the truth of it this morning, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So, friends, what is the hope for us in making it through the trials? The hope in the trials is not for us to try harder. It's not what I like to call white-knuckle determination. The hope for us in making it through the trials is what God gives to us. And so what I want you to see this morning, the main idea of this verse is simply this. God gives us the strength we need to walk through our trials. God gives to us, in His grace and His kindness, He gives us the strength you and I need to walk through the trials. Friends, James 1.12, and the whole book of James is not a call to try harder. It's not a call to more self-effort. James 1 is a message of grace, of God giving us what we cannot have on our own. In particular, it's God giving us the strength, the endurance that we need. And not just an endurance and strength to hang on and just get by, 
but a strength and endurance to keep on walking, to walk with God even on the hardest of days, to consistently live out our faith regardless of what is happening in our surroundings. Friends, God in his grace gives us a strength we need to walk through our trials. Look back at verse 12 again and notice again the reality, the expectation of trials here. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. When he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. And you see in here that we are going to have trials and we will be put under a test here. Like before, there's no if here. This is an expectation. The text assumes, expects that we will have trials and we will have difficult circumstances. Now, I want to repeat something I said three weeks ago because it's so important, but because it's so counterintuitive. It's simply this, friends, that trials are the normal experience of God's people in a broken and fallen world. Trials are the normal experience of us, God's people, in a broken and fallen world. God's goal for our lives is not to get us from birth to death in the easiest, happiest, safest, most comfortable way possible. Trials are the norm for God's people. So I was studying this past week. One author said it in a way that really caught my attention. He said, trials are not unnatural, they are not uncommon, nor are they obstacles to our growth. Think about that. Trials are not unnatural, they're not uncommon, and they're not obstacles to our growth. They're, they're very natural. They're a part of life in a broken world. They're very common. We all walk through trials of various types, and nor are they obstacles to our growth. Now, as I say that, friends, that does not negate how hard the trials are. Trials are not fun. We're not supposed to enjoy the trials. My heart aches at the trials many of you guys have been walking through, just as your heart aches this morning for when we saw our sister collapse in the sanctuary. Our heart aches when we see brothers and sisters go through trials. Trials are not fun. And so the truth that trials are common, the truth that trials are normal, does not minimize the pain. The pain is real. It's okay to struggle with the trials. It's okay to ask God the questions in the trials, just like we saw throughout the Lament Psalms when we studied those last year. It's okay to grieve the hardships in life not working out the way you want. It's okay for all that. But we saw a few weeks ago we can't have peace in those trials because the question is not if we will have trials. It is when they come, how will we respond? So James repeats that again. How does God want us to respond? Look at how God wants us to respond when we face trials. Back to verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Remains steadfast. Some of your translations may say perseveres or endures. Now, literally here in the Greek, to remain steadfast means to not run away, to not flee. It means to remain where you are. It can literally mean to tarry where you are. Now, think about this verse in light of that. This sounds really strange to us. Blessed is the person who tarries under trial. Blessed is the person who does not run away under trial. Blessed is the person who remains steadfast under trial. Because this is a picture for us here. In the trials we face, our hope is not in running away. That's what the culture does. When trials come, our culture wants to escape from them. They try to either do anything they can to manipulate or sin to get out of the trial, or they try to drown out the trial with substances, with entertaining ourselves to death, with distractions, with workaholism. There's so many things that people run to to try to avoid the pain of the trial. But God gives us something very countercultural in this of where our hope comes from. And our hope comes from not running away from the trial, but from, verse 12, remaining steadfast, persevering through the trial. Because that raises the question, what do we remain steadfast in? What do we persevere in in the midst of the trials? And the answer is in our faith in God. That we remain steadfast, regardless of our circumstances, in walking with God day by day on the good days and on the hard days. It's keeping our faith in God and our confidence in God no matter what is happening around us, friends. 
there's something interesting about this command to remain steadfast here. Normally, as we work through God's word, I point out that the commands are plural commands. So much of what we see is not just me and Jesus. It's a command for us to do together. So when we come across a command that's singular, just a single person, it stands out to me. And that, this is what we come across here. This is a singular, not a plural, command. It's very different than what we typically have seen in our studies. Here you notice in verse 12, blesses the man, that's singular, that means man or woman, blesses the person who remains steadfast. And the verb here, remains steadfast, is also a singular verb in the Greek. That means this is a decision that each one of us will have to face. That no one can make that decision for you of how you will respond to the trials. In verse 12 here, it describes these trials as a test that we will face. Friends, there's no cheating on this test. You can't borrow someone else's answer when you walk through the trial. You can't borrow someone else's faith or steadfastness in the trial. It's a decision you will come face to face with when life gets hard of what will you do in this trial. And friends, is it possible for us to pass the test? Yes, it is. Is it possible for us to remain steadfast in the trial? Yes, it is. But the reality check is we cannot do that on our own. We can't pass a test on our own. We cannot remain steadfast on our own. We cannot keep walking with God on our own when life is hard. On our own, we will do the opposite. We will try to turn and run. On our own, we will try to drown out the hardship. On our own, we'll just try to just hang on and just somehow get by. That's not what God is calling us to do. I don't have the strength in me to persevere in trials. You don't have the strength in you to persevere in trials. None of us do. So what is the hope? Because the hope here is God is going to give us that which we lack. He's going to give us strength from him, a strength we do not have on our own. This is so important for us. I want us to catch the significance of this and catch the awe and wonder of what God is offering to us, that he offers to us a strength not inherent to us, a strength that we do not have on our own. If you read the Psalms, you see this. We saw a glimpse of this in our study of the Psalms, but I want you to see this this morning, of what God is offering to us as people. I want you to see several different Psalms on the screen of what God offers to us. First of all, Psalm 18, verses 1 and 2. We can skip all the introductory stuff there. Here we go. And he said, I love you, O Lord, my what? God is our strength. In verse 2 of this, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of salvation, my stronghold. When we don't have strength in ourselves, God is our stronghold. God is our strength. Psalm 28, verses 7 and 8. The Lord is my what? Strength and my shield, and him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exults, and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the what? The strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Friends, you and I do not have strength in ourselves to walk with God on the good days, much less on the hard days. But God offers to be our strength. Psalm 29, verses 10 and 11. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give what? Strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. The very thing you and I need in the trials, we saw earlier a few weeks ago, peace. Another thing we need is strength. God is the one who gives that to us. Then in Psalm number 33, verses 18 to 20, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our, now it's not strength here, he's our what? Is our help and our shield. But the same idea that when we can't stand on our own, whether it's the midst of famine or whatever trial, that God is the help, the shield, the strength that we need. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and what? Strength. Getting the idea here? Our very present help in trouble. Therefore, now notice this, because God is our strength, 
Because God is our help in trouble, in the trials, in the hardships of life. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, one of the most terrifying things you can imagine. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. When literally the foundation of your feet is caving away, we don't have to fear because God is our strength. In that Psalm 68, verse 35, awesome is God from his sanctuary, the God of Israel. He is the one who gives power and what? Strength to his people. Blessed be God. Now, just one more because I think you got the idea, right? You know what's, what's coming with this. Psalm 73, one of my favorite of all the Psalms. Psalm 73, whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God. Let's talk about the hope right here. That not just if the earth gets away, but if my own body starts to fall apart, if I endure a medical trial, if I start to face death, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the what? The strength of my heart and my portion, my contentment, my delight forever. Friend, God gives us the strength we need in the hard days, not just to hang on, but to keep walking with Him in faith and confidence, even on the hardest of days. Now, how does God strengthen us? There's lots of ways in Scripture that God strengthens us, but James hones in on just one of many ways that God strengthens us. And if you're in a life group, one of the things you'll talk about this week are what are the many ways God strengthens us. But there's just one that James hones in on today. And the way God strengthens us in the trials, one way is He turns our focus from the trial to eternity. In the midst of the trial, one way that God strengthens us is He turns our focus from focusing on the trial to focusing on eternity. Look back at verse 12 here. I want you to see this. Blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he is to the test, he will receive. This is future tense. This is something we do not have yet in full. This is something amazing that awaits us if we have faith in Christ. So that's turning our focus in the midst of the trial off of the trial itself to something much more glorious, much grander than what we're walking through today. And look at what this is again in verse 12. He will receive, notice a certainty, the crown of of life. And when you see this word crown of life, we need to change our image. When I hear crown, I think of a king's crown that gets put on his head. That's not what is envisioned here in this. What James is referring to was a winner's crown, an athlete's crown. Back in the days of the athletic competitions at this time, the winner didn't get a gold medal and stand on the platform or have their flag come down and sing the national anthem. When a winner was won the competition, they had a laurel wreath put on their head. And it was sometimes called a crown, a winner's crown or a victor's crown. That is what James is talking about here. The prize the winner gets when they've endured the competition, the hardship of the competition, and have come on the other side victorious. To help us get the sense of that, 1 Corinthians 9.25, I want you to see it on the screen. Because Paul uses the exact same word, but unfortunately our translators translate it different. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. The word wreath here is the exact same word that we're translating crown in James 1, a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. That Our hope, friends, is that we have an imperishable crown, wreath, gold medal, whatever you want to call it, but the reward that comes for being victorious. And what is the reward that we get? What is the crown or the wreath that we get? The reward for us is eternal life. In the words of Paul writing to the people in Corinth here, it is imperishable. The reward that God offers us when we come through the trials and we make it through this life is something that is imperishable. It can never Die. It's something that was beyond our wildest expectations. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Look at how Paul tries to help us get our mind around what God is offering to us. 
But as it's written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Do you see what James is doing here, what Paul's doing here? They're turning our mind off of the present hardships to eternity with God. A life free of pain and suffering and sickness and death. A time free of trials and hardships. Something, a time free of temptation and sin and sadness. And instead, an eternal life is full of pure joy and delight. Full of perfect harmony with one another. Full of beauty beyond comprehension. Full of God's very presence with us. Getting to see our Creator with an unveiled face. And all of His beauty and His glory. And being able to see that and worship Him unhindered. To serve Him with delight. Just to delight and abide in His presence. Knowing God and being known by God. We get that forever and ever and ever with no end. Ten trillion years from now, friends, we will have just begun to be experiencing the, gro- the glory, the grandeur, and the greatness of God with something that is the heart of man can't even imagine that God has prepared for us. Now, friends, how does God use that, that thought to change us? Well, think about something here. There's three important words for us. When we come to faith in Christ, we say we're justified. That's a legal term where God has changed our status to where we're standing righteous before him, not because of us, because of what Christ has done. So we're justified. In James 1, 2 through 4, what we saw a few weeks ago, we saw the process of sanctification. That's where we're growing in godliness. We're already righteous in God's eyes because of Christ. But then sanctification is this life where God's growing us in godliness. God uses trials in the sanctification process to make us more like Christ. Well, what James is doing now is he's turning our thought forward to what we call glorification. Glorification is when we see God, when this world is over, when we see God with an unveiled face and we're forever with him for all eternity. We're already justified. We're already secure in Christ. God's using the trials to sanctify us now in our sanctification. But now he's saying you have hope not just of the trials of your sanctification, but you have hope in your glorification, the day that you have eternal life with God forever. Friends, how does focusing on our glorification help us walk through the trials now? Quite simply... It reminds us this world is not our home. This is not permanent. This is not forever. This life we're walking through today is just a few short years, and that means the trials we're walking through are limited as well. I love how Peter describes it. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11. He said, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Some of your translations will say as strangers and aliens. Friends, if you think of an international student who comes to AUM or Faulkner, their home may be China or India or wherever. They're a stranger here for four years. Their home is back there. So they come for a few years and they go back home. That's how we're supposed to view our life, is that international student who's here for just a few years. And this life in the scope of eternity is just a few years away at college as an international student or scholar. We are sojourners. We are exiles. This is not our permanent residence. Our permanent residence is still to come. Yeah, friends, we are so prone, and I am so prone to forget that truth. We begin to live like this life is everything. We begin to make decisions and think and live like this is everything right now. And friends, when we do that and the trials come, if our focus is this life is everything, we begin to unravel, don't we? Because those trials are messing up our perfect life. These trials are destroying this perfect life that we've envisioned and we want. And when this is our home and this world is all that we're living for, those trials totally wreck us. You see what God is doing by turning our focus to our glorification to eternity? When the trials come, the trials remind us this isn't permanent. This isn't forever. Our home is in heaven. And just for this short years, God is growing us through these trials. But ultimately, the day is coming when we are pain-free, trial-free, sin-free, temptation-free, and we are forever in God's presence. And when that happens, friends, we looked at it a few weeks ago, but I want you to see in Romans chapter 8, Verse 18, look at what happens when God turns our focus to eternity, to our glorification. 
Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present age are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Again, we don't want to minimize the pain and the hardship of trials now, friends. But when we're in heaven and 10 trillion years from now, we're in God's presence and it's only just begun. The trials we suffer through for a few years or a few decades here will pale in comparison to the trillions of years of delight and bliss in God's presence forever. And friends, this is certain. If we are in Christ, this is certain for us. Look back at verse 12 of James 1 for us. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. And notice this next phrase, which God has promised to those who love him. Friends, look at the anchor for us here. God who never lies, God who doesn't change his mind, God who never gets up and be like, I don't really feel like giving that to them today. God who is unchanging, has promised us eternal life. The God who is faithful will see us through the hardships of life, will use them to grow our faith in him, and has promised us eternal life, has promised us forever with him, and nothing can stop that. Though I don't have it on the screen for us this morning, it reminds me of John, and when we looked, went through John's gospel, and Jesus says, no one can snatch them out of my hand. Friends, our eternity is so certain. If we are in Christ, if we have been justified, friends, if we've been justified, we're experiencing sanctification. There's no sanctification, there's no justification, because God grows his own people. But friends, if we are in Christ and God is growing us, he will certainly see us to heaven, and he's promised that nothing can take us. Not even Satan himself can take us out of his hands. So with all that together, I want to bring together and kind of expand out our main idea for this morning to help us get our minds. And this is what I want you to see this morning. God gives us the strength we need to walk through our trials by turning our focus from the trials to eternity. God is turning our focus as we walk through the hardships and the pain of the hardships. He's turning our focus to something much bigger and much greater, and that is eternity with him. Now that raises a question for us. How does God turn our hearts? How does God remind us that these trials are temporary? How does God remind us that there's something much greater awaiting us? How does God remind us of our glorification? We give us three ways before we close the morning of how God, in a practical sense, turns our focus from the trials to eternity. If you've been around Gateway, this is nothing new for us. But friends, I need the reminder, and we all need the reminder, because so often we lose sight of the means of grace God works through. Three ways God turns our focus from the trial to eternity. Number one, His Word, the Bible, Scripture. When we think of the scriptures we've looked at just this morning, we've jumped around a lot of places today. We've seen in the Psalms that God gives us strength. We've seen in 1 Corinthians what awaits us forever, this beyond our imagination. We've seen in 1 Peter that this world is not our home. We've seen in John's gospel that nothing can snatch us out of God's hand and take this from us. Friends, God's word transforms our thinking. And when we read God's word, it changes how we view this life and eternity. Think of what we saw when we studied Psalms, Psalm 19, verses 7 and 8. Remember this? The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Friends, when you and I are in a trial, what do we need? We need fresh life in our soul, don't we? And God's word is what does that. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. When we're in a trial, what do we need? We saw it in James a few weeks ago. We need wisdom, and so we cry out to God for wisdom, and he gives it, but he gives us wisdom as we look to his word in the trials. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Friends, when we're in the midst of the trial and there's such sadness and such hardship around us, we run back to the Word of God and He rejoices our heart with a joy that is not based on our circumstances. You, you get the idea in that. As we read God's Word, we see His character. We see His faithfulness. We see our standing. We see our identity. We see His promises for now and for eternity. And friends, the more we study God's Word in the good times, 
the better anchor we are for staying true to the Lord in the hard times. And friends, the more we study God's word in the trials, the more our focus turns from the trial itself to eternity and the goodness of God. God uses his word to strengthen us by turning our focus from this life to eternal life. The second thing God does to turn our focus in the trials, to strengthen us, is the work of the Holy Spirit within us. That the Holy Spirit works in us. The Holy Spirit, one triune God who exists as three persons. One God, three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit, the second person of the Godhead, indwells every single believer. If you are in Christ, God, the Holy Spirit, is dwelling within you, securing you, and he will never leave you. And what does the Holy Spirit do within us? Well, he's transforming us. He's teaching us. He's reminding us of the truth of God's word. He's illuminating God's word for us. He's convicting us when we err and start living for this life. He's turning our focus to eternity. I love how Jesus described it in, in the words of John's gospel course in John chapter 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, it's another name for the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So, friends, if you are in Christ, when you are walking through the trial, as you run to the word of God to have your focus turned to eternity, he, the Holy Spirit within you, will make God's word come alive to you. He will open it, and his word will be powerful to you, and will soothe you, and will help you focus on eternity. He will convict us when we err in that. He will encourage us in the journey. He is working in us. So God strengthens us as we walk through the trials to focus on eternity. And he does that through his word. He does that through the Holy Spirit with us. Number three, he does that through Christian community. He uses brothers and sisters in Christ around us to help us keep the proper perspective. When we're so prone to struggle in the trials, he uses community to help us focus on eternity. Think back last year when we studied Paul's letter in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. Paul has this desire that we would no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So how are we not swayed? How are we not tossed, especially in the trials? Well, verse 15, he tells us, rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head and to Christ. And then verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow. So it builds itself up in love. Friends, if we are in Christian community and we encounter a trial, we have brothers and sisters around us who pray for us, who pray for us to stay, to have peace, who pray for us to have joy, who pray for us to remain steadfast in the trial, who pray for us to focus on eternity. And friends, God hears those prayers and answers them. Friends, it's not just the prayers of one another, it's the example of one another. How many times have you been walking through a trial and God reminds you, you see someone here and you know the trial they've walked through and how they've come through by God's grace and how that gives you confidence going, God saw them through that trial, I know God will see me through that trial. The encouragement of us walking through trials together, God uses to build up our faith. But in this particular verse in Ephesians, speaking the truth in love, how God uses our words to one another to help each other through the hard times. Even just this week, I was on the phone with one of you guys who's walking through a trial right now. And I was so encouraged because you said to me, I've already had it. You started naming off the people who've called me and prayed for me and been to your house. And that's what we're supposed to be about. In the midst of the hardships, we don't walk these alone. We have community around us to walk this journey with us. So brothers and sisters, when we encourage you and when Drew is inviting you before the service to take advantage of these opportunities, that's not just because we're trying to have a busy church here. We believe in community, and we want you involved in more than just Sunday mornings. 
if all you do is walk in with 300 people and say hi and leave, you're not going to have the depth of relationship you need to have people to encourage you through the trials and for whom you can encourage as they're walking through the trials. So please hear our plea to you. We want you in a small group somewhere because we want you to have people around you who will walk with you and love you through your trials and for you to use your spiritual gifts to encourage and build up others as other people walk through trials also. Friends, God strengthens us for what we need. He turns our focus from here to eternity through his word, through the Holy Spirit, and through one another. Friends, back to the main idea. God gives us the strength we need to walk through our trials by turning our focus from the trial to eternity. So I want to ask you before we close this morning, friends, think back to trials you already have walked through and by God's grace come through. In the midst of those trials you've already walked through, were you focused on the trial and the pain and the hardship? Were you focused on eternity through that? If you're in the midst of a trial today, where's your focus been today in these last few days? Has it been on the trial itself? Has it been on the faithfulness of God and the eternal life that he is giving to you? And friends, for all of us, regardless of whether it's a good day or a hard day, whether we're in a trial now or not, friends, are we living like this is our home? Are we living like we are aliens and strangers on the way to our permanent home? Friends, I pray that this week as we read God's word, as we ask the Holy Spirit daily to fill us, as we encourage each other and live together in community, that God will give us supernatural strength to be steadfast, to be anchored, to persevere and walk with him regardless of what happens around us. And he will give us joy in that journey because we can trust our sovereign and good father. We use the circumstances around us for our good and for his glory. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful for your word. God, we're thankful for your word that convicts us and challenges us and teaches us and gives us such hope. Lord, I know there's so many in this room today who are walking through trials right now, who are walking through many hardships. And God, I pray that today that by your grace and your Holy Spirit working in them and your word this morning, that the truth of your word would give them hope, would turn their focus from the problems today to eternity and what awaits. God, would you strengthen us for that? Lord, we can't turn our own mind to these things. God, we can't change our perspective ourselves. Lord, we are helpless. But God, you are powerful and loving and good, and we pray that you would turn us to thinking thoughts of eternity this day. And Lord, for all of us, whether we're in a good day or whether we're in a hard day, God, I pray that you would help us not live for the here and now, but we're so bombarded with so many messages that make us think that this is all there is. But God, we're just passing through for these short years. And God, I pray for myself and these precious brothers and sisters, God, that you would give us much grace this week to not live for the world today, but to live with eternity in view to focus on what is truly important, knowing you and making you known, to focus on eternal rewards, not earthly rewards. And God, would you give us much grace this week, Lord, to walk, not looking today, but looking to eternity with you. Lord, would you be sanctifying us and growing us. And Lord, again, I pray for the brother and sister in the midst of the trial today, that God, that by the work only you can do, you'll fill their hearts with hope today in your goodness and what you're doing. And Lord, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song?